Our Bible reading uh, this morning is found in Luke chapter 9 and verse 7 through to 9. The Gospel of Luke. Only a short reading this morning, but uh, there is a question here that somebody asks, and I'd uh, encourage you to uh, try and try and understand the motivation for him asking such a question. Uh, starting at verse uh, seven in Luke chapter nine, now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was happening. And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. Given the eruption of uh, 2020, it's been quite an eruption, wasn't it? What should be the opening partial message of 2021 be if it is not planned for the unexpected? <laughs> Because at this time last year, I was preaching a message about we're going to go out soul winning this year. And we're going to get and see many souls saved to glorify Jesus. And then, of course, it all shut down, didn't it? And uh, changed our plans quite a bit. We do not know what's going to happen in 2021. But I know someone who does. He is omniscient, which means he knows all things. And I might pause there just for a moment to remind you that there is so much today, uh, so much emphasis placed upon science today, that I don't think they really understand what they are saying. Because the word science simply means knowledge. And omniscient is meaning that God is all-knowing. There is knowledge, sorry, there is no knowledge outside of him. Now, get your head around that. There is no knowledge outside of God. God is omniscient, and that's where the word comes from, omniscient, omniscience, omni-knowledge. So... He is omniscient, which means he knows all things. So that ought to, if I stop the sermon here now, and we went and had our cup of tea. Oh, we're not having a cup of tea today, are we? Are we? No cup of tea? Oh, okay. No cup of tea for how long? Three weeks? Oh, how are you going to hang out for that? (laughs) But if we were to end the sermon here and go home and have our cup of tea, that would be enough. 
because we have been reminded that God knows all things. He knows exactly what's going to happen throughout this year. Of course, there's the threatenings of it rising up again and we might go into another shutdown for a few months. Who knows what might happen? But God does. Our Lord Jesus Christ does. Our problem is that we are not omniscient as God is. We wish we were, but we're not. Planning for personal matters as well as ministry in 2021 is a step of faith because we don't know what's around the corner. This is the wisest path to take for 2021. That faith journey starts with getting to know this Jesus that we talk about and that Herod was so wondering about. He didn't know his name at the time, but uh, he just said, who is this bloke who's doing all these amazing things? He was really saying, who is this Jesus? Planning says that we have something worth striving for. It says we have something of great value to pass on to people who desperately need it, even if they don't know they need it. But who do we approach with this great news? Random people in the street, next door neighbours, work colleagues, friends and family, enemies even. As God leads, maybe all of those. Now that's a big task, isn't it? Planning to fulfil the Great Commission takes prayerful thought. It suggests that an obedience to the command is required, which in turn suggests a trust in the ultimate leadership and guidance of the captain of our faith. Jesus Christ. The one that Herod was so worried about when he was you know, doing all those things. This is something we must fill our minds with. Transform, transformation of our minds by consuming the word of God. You know, Romans talks about transforming the mind. And we do that by filling it with the word of God. Ministry starts not with the perceived needs out there for there are too many well they're just too numerous for us to get our heads around or even to be able to prioritise them there's so many needs out there and even with preaching the good news doesn't start with that but it starts with knowing Jesus himself That's where everything starts, knowing Jesus. Recall the uh, feeding of the 5,000. What an amazing thing that was. was, uh, There was a need. And it was beyond the ability of the disciples. But Jesus still told them to go out and do it. And he told them to do it as a lesson for them. They brought the meagre morsel of food that they came across to Jesus and despairingly said that it wasn't enough. But in the hands of Jesus, he multiplied it into full bellies with more leftovers than they started with. That must have amazed them. 
not only that everyone was fed, but they finished up with more than they started off with. This must have stood the disciples in awe and raised the question, who is this Jesus that we are walking around this countryside with? It was not the ability of the disciples or the resources available to them that was important, but it was Jesus himself who made the difference. In the beginning of 2020, we considered a year full of outreach only to be unexpectedly shut down. This 2021, we do well if we spend time to refresh our minds with who Jesus is. What does he require of us? What is our daily personal relationship with him like? Though he did not know his name, Herod was asking, who is this Jesus? And it's a question that we should ask ourselves. Who is this Jesus that I am following? Not that we don't know him, but that we can know him better. That we can know him more and more and more. And as uh, Peter wrote to the church, reminding them to grow in the grace and the science of Jesus. By the word says knowledge. But really it's knowing Jesus. Getting to know him better and better. And of course, we, if we lived 10,000 years, we would not know Jesus fully. The whole purpose of the scriptures is to present the person and the work of Jesus Christ. There are certain things that, if denied, make the Bible a very common religious book among many. As someone suggested that if Jesus is not God, that everything is right and only one thing is to be wrong, and sorry, and the only one thing to be wrong is if you offend me in my sin. I think this is based on Romans 1 verse 32. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but the approval of those, but give approval of those who practice them. The Jews have a saying that no man is suspected of a thing, but he has done it. If he has not done the whole of it, he has done part of it. And if he has not done part of it, he has thought in his heart to do it. And if he has not thought in his heart to do it, he has seen others do it and he has rejoiced in it. If the objective standard truth is removed and, and even outlawed as it, as it is being today, all things except biblical truth become permissible. As we enter 2021, it is good to remind ourselves that the Bible is no ordinary book speaking about the adventures of an ordinary man. It is the authoritative revelation of God given to the world that the world may know and comprehend the greatness of God. 
and you set it aside at your own peril. One day there will be a great accounting that the Bible presents as judgment day. Even the world accepts that the world has an end in sight. And if it does not, it's a rather strange thing that the movie industry makes so many movies about the impending end of the world. But of course, its answer is that man will, through science, find the answer to all the world's problems. There is only one who is omniscient, the Holy Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The world's greatest problem is not bad politics or racial unrest or crime of many types. It is the cause of all these things, that singular word, that word written in the singular sense, tense, sin. We very often think of sins plural, but they are the fruit of sin itself. Murder and all those other things that, have, that are recorded in Scripture, they are the fruit of sin itself. That selfish rejection of God, that setting up of self on the throne, that whatever my judgment is, that is what is right. That is sin, and it produces all the other kinds of sins, plural. What can be done about that? The world's answer is to rename it, and thus deny its existence, while approving of all kinds of bad behaviour. Forgiveness and cleansing, based on God's grace and mercy, reflected on the cross, and mankind's humble repentance in faith, That is heaven's permanent answer to that problem of sin in this world. The answer to my problem with sin came along with God taking the first step. I could not take a step to him without him drawing me because I didn't know I needed to take that step. I thought I was right. I could not take a step toward him without him drawing me. That night long ago he surprised me by drawing me to him. Something I was not even aware I needed. But God knew and it was the perfect time for me. God makes the first step. That is humble love. The Bible presents Jesus as God in Matthew 1.23. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son and she shall call his name Emmanuel. What is it translated as? God with us. That's right. God with us. This is the fulfilment of the prophecy in Isaiah 9 and verse 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders and shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. I want to spend our time this morning looking at these words in verse 6, especially that phrase, Prince of Peace. Wonderful. I don't know if your Bible has a comma after the word wonderful, but it should have. There is a comma after this word, and the Hebrew word comes from the word meaning miracle. Marvellous thing. The pulpit commentary says this, The troubles of Israel shall end through the birth of a miracle child. Isn't that a prophecy? Isn't that a prophecy of the miraculous birth of Jesus? Well, miraculous, maybe it wasn't a miraculous birth, but it certainly was a miraculous conception. And Jesus was born. And he came into this world. So wonderful. It is a great miracle that God should send Jesus as he did. Because he suspended natural laws that Jesus might come as he did. The second word, counsellor. We'll be very quick on this one. The Hebrew word includes the idea of being a guide. So Jesus is a miraculous guide. Able to do the miraculous in this world. He is big enough to cope with all the different things that come our way and that uh, make our abilities seem like we are but children in the need of a father to look after us. This Jesus, this miraculous Jesus, is to be our guide, our quiet counsellor guiding us through this world. Then there's the word mighty, the mighty. This word means powerful, powerful God, mighty. Here we have the prophecy that Jesus is the almighty God. It's not just mighty, but it's almighty God. Now, what does almighty mean? It means there's nobody more mighty. There's nobody more powerful. There's no one greater. And that no pretend God can stand in his shadow. And pretend gods there are many. But they cannot stand in his shadow. Because he is the almighty God. And and he walks with you. Through this world. Through your journey in this world. He walks with you. And he is your guide. He is your counsellor. He is your miraculous carer. In this world. Then there's the uh, phrase, the everlasting. The everlasting. Wow. Great to have an everlasting friend. I suppose we all have friends, don't we? Sometimes friends disappear. But not this friend, for he is everlasting. It means forever. It means eternity. It means world without end. The idea is he is who he is and no one can change it. No one can dethrone him. No one can demote him. No one can sack him from his position. For he is everlasting. 
He is the miraculous guide, that mighty, everlasting friend of yours. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Doesn't the scripture say that? Then it says, Father, this is talking about the coming Son. For unto us a child is born and he will be called Father. The idea here is apart from the casual caring aspects of fatherhood, there is no one more authoritative than the everlasting Father. The Father in the home is being chipped away at for decades. The idea of uh, the value of fatherhood is being demoted and defamed and, and so on. I know there are some dads who don't do the right thing, but uh, I do think that there are busloads more who do do the right thing. But we don't get to hear about them. We only get to hear about the, the common one because the world doesn't want God the Father and he doesn't want godly fatherhood in this world either. But here, you have a father who will forever walk with you and forever care for you. World with no end, he will look after you. At every step of the study of Jesus, he is presented as God. C.S. Lewis concludes a brilliant argument for the divinity of Jesus by saying this, But let us not come with any patronising nonsense about his being merely a good human teacher. He he has not left that open to us and he did not intend to. Now here we come to the Prince of Peace. The Prince. It may seem that we have stepped down a little in authority here. But not so. The word prince has become to mean a junior member of the royal family. But the word here uh, means the head person or chief. Now is there anyone higher than the head person? Is there anyone higher than the chief in a tribe? He is the boss. He is the one who has all the authority. And it means the captain of our faith. He is the ruler of all this. So the prince is one of great authority. We see princes in this world who don't have much authority. They, they go around, they get their money and so on and do different things. But they don't have great authority. But this Hebrew concept here is the one of great authority. He is the leader, he is the captain of our faith. And we could err in not considering the word peace because that, that is so much thrown around today. Everybody's longing for peace and, and all they are wanting is that a war will stop or something like that. But in my study of this word peace, what the Hebrew means is, well, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-boggling. 
So we would do err, we would err greatly if we don't consider the word peace in relation to the Bible's presentation of Jesus' divinity. Because only God can bring the type of peace mentioned here. This word comes from the Hebrew word you probably have heard spoken many times before and I know some of you here have used this word, this Hebrew word, and it's called shalom. You have used it, you have heard it spoken of before and maybe some people sign off their letters, shalom or whatever. It is a kind of peace that does away with hostility on both sides. It is not the result of a mere submission of a conquered foe. Get a hold of that. Get your mind around that. It is not the result of a mere submission of a conquered foe. It restores the previous oneness of relationship in all its fullness that our father Adam had with God. The ideas that come out of this word are completeness, soundness, welfare and peace. Completeness in number, safety and soundness in body, welfare and health in prosperity, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, peace, friendship, peace of human relationships, with God especially in the covenant relationship. The difference between the English word peace and the Hebrew word shalom, I think is well illustrated by Rabbi Robert Kahn of Houston, Texas. He encapsulates the distinctives of Roman peace and Hebrew, shalom. And he says, one can dictate a peace. We did that in the Second World War, didn't we? We dictated a a peace eventually, and the others reluctantly laid down their sword, so to speak. And the one who started it off killed himself because he couldn't cope with the idea of uh, paying for his crimes. But here, it, uh, you can uh, dictate a peace, but shalom is a mutual agreement. Peace is a temporary pact, he says, but shalom is a permanent agreement. One can make a peace treaty... Shalom is the condition of peace. Peace can be negative, the absence of commotion. Shalom is positive, the presence of serenity. Peace can be partial, he says. Shalom is whole, it's complete. There are no further regrets. There's no further longing for what I had before. Like, for instance, maybe the Nazis are still today. There are some around here, around in this world today, still trying to bring about it. Even though there is a peace that they live in, they themselves are not at peace. They don't have the shalom. 
because they are still maintaining that rage, even though they haven't got an opportunity to express it. But with, with Shalom, that rage is gone. And there is a complete unity of the two previous warring sides. Peace can be haphazard. Shalom is complete. Nothing more to add to it. That's amazing, isn't it? There's a Jewish saying, peace is a positive thing. The essential means by which men in differing temperaments and opinions can work together for the common good. You've probably heard the saying, agree to, agree to disagree. That's peace. It's not shalom. Pearls, it, it goes on, pearls of individual virtue would be dim in isolation were it not for the string of peace that binds them together in and so increases their luster. That is why peace in the name of God, for it is he who gives unity to the whole of creation. The shalom brings the unity where there is nothing more to fight about. There is no war in the back of the mind waiting for an opportunity to happen. It is done. The peace mentioned here brings man into a sameness of mind with God. It is not a reluctant ending of hostilities. It is a result of the revelation of seeing one's condition in its ugly state with one being apart from God and then one fleeing to God based on his grace. It is not a conquering of man but the gift of the infusion of God's love in the now willing heart of man. It is a restoration of relationship with God that evokes a oneness of praise from his rescued children. The Prince of Peace. Romans 5, uh, 15 verse 6 says, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you know this, but there is a related word to shalom, and it is shalem. Shalom is S-H-A-L-O-M, and shalem is S-H-A-L-A-M. And there's some interesting things about that word which I make quick reference to here. Shalem means give back, make good, pay out, be, uh, make peace, perform, recompense, render, repay. Can you do any of those in regards to your offence to God? Can you do any of those? Make restitution, restore. Can you do that in relation to your sin against God? The word is normally used when God is keeping his people safe. So shalom and shalom, together, it is God who is paying the price that we might have 
that unity and that oneness once again with God that Adam had in the Garden of Eden. What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing God we have to walk with us in this 2021 that has happened before, I might remind you. It has happened before because God has already seen it. Well, you know what I mean. Hasn't happened like we've experienced it. But God has seen it. And he's seen what happens to you in this 2021. And this is why he calls you to trust him. And, and he says the very simple and lovely things. Like, look at the birds of the air. They, they don't go and build up a harvest of wheat or something to look after themselves. God looks after them. God feeds them. And so Jesus is reminding us that he is the one who's going to stand with us throughout 2021. What do you care about for 2021? It's going to be a big year, I think. It's going to be a good year. Last year was a good year because God was in it. This year is going to be a good year. Maybe different to last year, but it's still going to be a good year. Do you believe that? It's going to be a great year because God, the one who has that shalom peace and that shalom where he, he pays the price for our peace. He pays the price and enables us to no longer have that little war going on in the back of our minds waiting for an opportunity to come out. It is gone. It is set free. We're set free from it. So that's our God. It means that the Prince of Shalom paid the price for our Shalom with the Father. Only the offended party can offer forgiveness in the Garden of Eden, it was God who was offended and God who had already planned the forgiveness that this babe could bring. So I trust that as you go into this year, this 2021, that you will know that you are going into it with the God who has already seen every step that you will take. Go into it with faith. Go into it trusting Him. Go into it boldly. Go into it with excitement and asking God, use me for your glory in this 2021. Would you do that this, start that this day? Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, indeed we thank you for this uh, great Bible that we have, this revelation of the God who brings that peace and he, he ceases the war that's been going on and he is the one who pays the price and enables us to have that unity with him. O Lord in heaven, thank you for the shalom. Thank you, Father, that we have peace with you because of what Jesus Christ has done.
We want to honour him. Help us to do so. Amen.